Yeah, it's been a while since we've talked. You have like a whole child now. <laughs> a whole weird life stuff has happened. Like having a kid is man, it's it's a lot of fun, but man, it's it's also like really tiring. <laughs> as I'm sure that you've heard before. Yeah. I've heard. Oh, I'm still the kid in my dynamic. <laughs> unfortunately for unfortunately and fortunately for my wife, I kind of am too. Because you definitely <laughs> you definitely get to kind of relive uh the, the feeling of being like a child a little bit with your own kid. Like Yeah, I've kind of said that. I'm like, I think the only reason people have kids is because they want an excuse to be allowed to do kids stuff. Yeah. Like I can't pick up candy at parades, but I can if I have a child in my arm. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. For me, it's always like I'm like waiting for the age that he gets to like where he's like a little bit interested in Legos. <laughs> so that you can step on them. Yeah, well, that too. But they're they're obviously very expensive, so it's hard to justify that kind of purchase. But you don't find a lot of like just random organic moments in your everyday life to actually play with Legos as an, as an adult, which is a little sad. Fair. But I feel like they could be used for a lot of engineering things. Like they're pretty structurally sound if you do it right. Kyle, how good are Legos? You're the mechanical engineer here. Oh, I'd love some like real live details on this too. That's a great addition to the show. <laughs> Can you build like real things with Legos or is that frowned upon? What's the like weight limit too? How much weight can they take? He saw a family build a Lamborghini out of Legos. That's I did see that. What's the weight limit? The wheels wouldn't be square. I've... Welcome to the Kevin <laughs> Kevin. 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 And Kevin Angus. Do you still work for Tesla? I do. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> I actually work for Solar Roof, although I did buy a Model X recently, September of 2020. I got my baby. Nice. Her name is Xenon. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I like to summarize my job by saying I destroy things for science. <laughs> what kind of things? I work in a quality lab, so I test like the force it takes to break things or pull solders apart and whatnot, and then... I throw the solar roof tiles into like an environmental chamber, which cycles hot, cold, wet, dry over a period of time that's supposed to represent what it would be like 30 years on a roof, but accelerated. Like the weathering process a little bit? Yeah. Interesting. And then I pull them out, I test it again, and it gives like a warranty warning to the company, you know? I guess I never put in any of the thought into how they developed those figures. I, obviously, I just assumed that some math person on that end probably just figured out the math figures or whatever, but... I'm I had no idea bit... until I did it either. <laughs> I, like, I like the fact that it is a little bit more hands-on, though, in that sense, like that you have to like... Mythbuster it a little bit. Oh, right. The Cybertruck reveal where they broke the window. I've been saying that person has my job, but they didn't do it very well. I should have brought on the professional. Like, what were they thinking? <laughs> did you see it? When they did the reveal for the truck? Yeah. I think I saw it when it was first aired. Yeah, but I haven't watched it since. Let me pull it up because I do not remember that at all. Yeah, me either. Yeah, what ended up being the reason that that happened is in testing, all they did was test the windows. But in that moment, they tested the doors first, ah. which made like micro fractures on the edges of the glass so when they went to break the glass 
it broke because it weakened it in a way that they never did while testing it. Oh, man, I feel like you probably experienced this on a very uh, interesting level, like on a technical side of things, but the complete lack of planned testing procedures that I've found at companies I work at, like there's no standard operating procedure for a lot of things that there really need to be. Oh, right. And that you'd expect, like, again, from the outside perspective, oh, of course they must have, like, rules and ways that they know how to test for this kind of stuff. They just kind of make it up a lot of the time. Yeah. And then, I don't know, you know, they... I'm just speaking in general here because I'm NDA bound, but it's like... Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Things, uh, my favorite is when quality control fails and they're like you know what let's just change the spec so it doesn't fail anymore yeah 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 awesome, awesome. <laughs> oh that's really comforting to know oh man we just set the bar too high you know we just we expected a little bit too much <laughs> well tesla's great in that regard because they uh literally shoot for the moon and when we fall short we're still ahead of everyone else so that is very true speaking of which well I don't know how public it is. Let me look up how public this knowledge is. This, uh, this may or may not be cut from the Kevin podcast, so uh, <laughs> stay tuned. I hope that you're going to talk about spaceships. I love spaceships. Oh, nothing comes up in my search. Oh, it's not, it's not public yet. Oh. But I'll tell you, it's cut from the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going on the floor. This is not making it. And that is very cool. I don't know if you get that reaction from a lot of people, but to me, that that stuff is like, oh, that's the coolest. I don't, stuff. but I appreciate your appreciation. Yeah, it is genuine too, because like that was like my classic dream job that I had as a kid that they at some point had to abandon because of the realities of the world. And for me, it was astronaut. Like everything to do with space. Oh, was, really? That was like my oh. whole dream. Like papers in like fourth grade have written about it and stuff like that so i gave it up when i realized that it usually involves joining the air force and i'm oh yeah generally by principle kind of a pacifist (laughs) i listened to a joe rogan podcast with an astronaut on him i now follow the astronaut but he was talking about how the best training you can get is piloting yeah yeah he's like there's only so much technical knowledge you can have but the ability to think on your feet like that only really comes from practicing it. With the private sector emerging, though, in my lifetime, it did rekindle a little bit of the hope. But then at the same time, I haven't really done anything to put myself on that trajectory either, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, it's dangerous. It is very dangerous. And obviously now I'm also married and have a child, which I didn't when I considered those things in the past. And I have broached the topic and she is not interested in traveling in space. So. <laughs> I had to make sure. Like, if Boy, we could put the first baby in space. I, I think he'd like it. You know, he's a <laughs> he's a little nervous at times, but, you know, he's willing to give things a try if he knows I'm, I'm going to go along with him. So, you know. So my dream was always, I was always inspired by Steve Irwin, honestly. Like, I, I love both the entertainment aspect of it and the animal aspect and just being like, Hey, look, kids, it's a hawk, you know. You're studying zoology as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a Bachelor of Silence. Silence. <laughs> a Bachelor of Silence. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's what it feels like at times, for Perfect. sure. Yeah. I have my science degree. Uh, what I found about zoo work, there's really two possible career paths I could have taken with that. One is the zookeeper, which I found is very difficult to find work for. People only really leave that job if someone dies and then they hire from their pool of volunteers and 
I just never was in one place long enough to develop like a working relationship with a zoo that couldn't even get off the wait list to volunteer before I was somewhere else and had to start over. So Man, that's crazy. <laughs> and the other option is government work. And I did that for a little while. I was a launch steward for the New York Sea Grant extension of Cornell University. Oh, okay. I sat down at boat launches and educated people about how to not spread invasive species from one body of water to another and how to inspect their boats and remove said like plants and things from their boats and then collect data on anything that I did find. And that was a great job and all. Loved it. Half the time there weren't any boaters and I just read a book by the lake. Yeah. But <laughs> what I found about research work is you're always waiting for funding to come through to know if you have a job. And then, you know, it's like a temporary project. Once yeah. it's done, you're looking for work again. And I was like, I don't think I want to be looking for work the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm an old man and I don't have much time left. But I always have time for the Kevin Podcast. Uh, bureaucracy, the slowness of the... I always just assumed it was just kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. I'd be like, oh, yep, you know, things just kind of move a little at their own pace. But man, it's just other people being really slow, too. Like, mm -hmm. if John responded to the email on his inbox on Monday instead of, like, the next two weeks from then, right? you know, that's, like, the difference of, like, you getting your funding on time or something like that. It's just... Yeah, that's even worse in the entertainment industry, like, trying to get projects like to start out you want to work with other people who are just starting out you know other cinematographers and directors mm -hmm. who are trying to put a reel together to demonstrate what they can do to get hired for professional sets but since they're not quite at that level yet you have to deal with the people who aren't as serious about it as you are and ah. i'd say probably like 60 percent of the things that i do i'd never see the light of day so you end up spending a lot of time <laughs> for nothing it must sap like some aspect of the motivation like to obviously, you know, I, there's more to it than than, you know, seeing the final product. Well, the people that make it and there's a lot of folks who are as like minded as me is you just have to love the process. You know, you have to only take on projects that excite you. And then even if nothing comes of it, it's like, well, I really enjoyed working on that. I feel like I grew my talent like in the moment trying to mm -hmm. portray this character even if nothing comes of it you know that's a very good mentality too for sure and i have to kind of use something along those lines to quiet the inner demons that try to dissuade you from doing something that you like <laughs> or that that's like a creative thing mm -hmm. the what ifs yeah like oh don't do that like oh why are you doing that for the part of your brain that's like oh you need to have a reason to do something when you don't mm -hmm. really actually always have to have a reason you can just do it because you want to do it oh uh, i'm so guilty of that i always I feel guilty if I'm doing nothing. That's why I started streaming, actually. It was like an excuse to play video games. I'm like, well, look, I'm kind of still promoting my channel. And yeah. it's like there's a possibility to make money at it. So now like, I can feel good streaming, even if I'm really just playing video games and chatting with people. <laughs> I've totally had like the thought process of doing that as like a cross-promotional thing, too. Like, just as like, because it's... Oh, yeah, you kill it. It's relatively easy. It's like, you know, what it takes to get started. Obviously, it scales up, I'm sure, as you have to get more complicated with things. But mm -hmm. if you have a decent PC and decent mic, you're halfway there, I suppose. And what's great is, in entertainment at least, I have followings from all the different things that I do. And I think that's part of what helps me. You know, I have the people that follow me for my acting, the people that follow me for my modeling, the people that follow me for my art, and the people that follow me for my gaming. 
but if one of them knows me from one thing, I can cross promote and then I have like a really big following for any one thing that I really care about and tell people to go check out, you know? How long did that kind of process take to get to that point? Like, where did you kind of start with diversifying? I just do whatever I want. <laughs> I think that's the trick to kind of staying sane is you have to do all of it for you. You know, I paint the things that I want to paint and like my abstract stuff doesn't get much attention it's definitely for me but i don't care i'm like i really liked making yeah. this and you can watch it if you want and if not i get to have it so that is true do tell people that's what the show is for I me guess yeah. as long as you're serving yourself yeah exactly like i know i like my own show and i like my own you know humor it's just a matter of you know occasionally trying to see if there's ways to improve it you know for like real comedians real comedians i say as in like stand-ups like full-time yeah yeah you only get better with stage time and practice and absolutely actually testing the timing instead of just saying the jokes to like your two friends or whatever i'm kind of excited about a comedian role i'm playing right now i just started doing something called the joke which is part of an eerie series. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with that, but I'm playing a wannabe comedian. It's definitely it's interesting. I did some stand-up for it. Eerie for the lake or like eerie for the feeling? I think both. It's a double entendre there. Oh, nice. I'm right with that. All right. It's kind of Twilight Zone-ish. You haven't actually personally done any diving into the comedic side of the creative world. I have not. I've only recently gained an interest in it, like in 2020 when that wasn't possible, so... <laughs> There's definitely a comedy scene here, though. Definitely. Like, I was doing um, improv now and again at, like, local theaters. and Yeah, see, I just took an improv class, and that's kind of how I got into that group. Oh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's what I thought comedians were doing in the past. Like, I always thought, as, like, a, like an immature mind, you don't realize how much work they put into making the jokes. You just assume it's all, like, fresh on the spot. Mm -hmm. Oh, not me at all, because I have to plan comedy. <laughs> Like on the spot, I'm more of a bouncing off other people and like, like I can throw it back at you and help you be funny, but I don't organically have ideas really. I have to plan things like that. I'm terrible at improv. That's not a bad thing either. Well, it, it's not that you're bad at improv. I think that it's almost like you're a different type of improviser. It's like really good to do a scene with someone that is receptive and able to just- That knows me. Yeah, yeah and can just bounce those ideas back relatively quickly. And For sure. I'm just a strange human. Yeah, yeah, to like, know that you'll just suspend disbelief and just kind of, like, take an offer if one's given to you. You know what I recently dissected? Because we had a group of comedy like, improv people that would do Zoom calls. And what I found is I just don't relate to most people. Like, someone says a famous person's name. I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on the topic that I actually understand, I do fine, but <laughs> I just don't relate to most people. I'm the guy that never knows any popular movies that people are talking about, like, especially like oh, me either. things that are like uh, supposed to be like classics or like, oh, you have to watch this kind of stuff to if you like movies. And I've never seen like a Godfather movie, for example, but like me either. I might like drop a reference that I picked up from pop culture, but I'm always that person. That... Same. I can quote so many things that I haven't seen. <laughs> and then people will be like, oh, I can't believe you're so young. You don't know what this is. And I'm like, oh, I don't know anything from my own generation either. Like, don't feel bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just not a spectator. I just don't watch anything. People are like, how are you an actor and you don't watch movies? And I'm like, the same way I play sports, but I don't watch them. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. Just do stuff. I don't watch it. I don't know. Do you fill the background with music typically or like podcasts or audiobooks or anything in particular? 
It's rare that I need to, honestly. I don't even really listen to much things. There's so much going on in my brain. I'm more concerned about getting my ideas out. Like I have a note in my phone that's like infinitely long of just undeveloped ideas of things. <laughs> oh, mine's always been called my JIP note, which is jokes in progress. <laughs> I feel like I don't do it often enough. And when I do, I don't do it well enough because I really write down the punchline but I don't write down like the whole, the whole setup or the bit or like. Yeah, I get that. Most of mine are like song lyrics, and I'll just be like, "Remember to use this analogy." <laughs> oh, okay, I won't yeah. develop the story at all, but I'm like, "Oh, that's a really good analogy. I need to find a way to work that in." <laughs> One that's just a simple three-word phrase is uh, "skin color tattoos." That's just something I wrote down there. <laughs> Perfect. They're like all deep. None of them are fun. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. It can be whatever. It'll be a good balance. Like, I'll throw a funny one out. And then you can throw one that's, like, contemplative and, like, makes the listeners really think. I feel like standalone, though. Like, it comes off very... I don't know. There, there's no music to develop a feeling. It's just like, oh, you're 12 and this is deep. Okay. <laughs> oh, fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, maybe this will warm me up. So I had this idea for, um, like, a comedy special where, like, the whole time I'm doing it, there's, like, a laser dot pointing to my forehead so it looks like I'm being forced to say everything. <laughs> That's funny. I had this idea for to pay for drugs with Apple Pay or PayPal or by check. I don't know. Sometimes these are like sketch ideas too. Like that'll be like part of the game, so to speak, of the scene for the sketch. So sometimes these are just like kernels of ideas that could develop into a sketch. Mm -hmm. There's one about like an endless breadstick, which is either it's you know, it goes on forever, or obviously you just, they, they never end. You can keep taking more out of a basket, but I like the one where it, Hogwarts. You know, like it just stretches into infinity Olive off Garden. screen. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work at Olive Garden. Oh, nice. Was it in any way enjoyable? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, occasionally I'd have a really cool table, but that's about as good as it got. Yeah. Oh, here's a good one. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. Ready. I have an analogy of like uh like putting up walls being like castling in chess. Oh, like when you like swap the king over with the with the castle. Mm -hmm. mm. Give me that again. I'm like my brain's like trying to fully comprehend it. Like putting up walls, like not allowing yourself to love or whatever, being like castling oh, in chess. Oh, I see, makes, I see. You know, it's a lyrical analogy that could be developed. I think it definitely could because my brain sadly went to like building a wall like a carpenter and <laughs> a real wall. <laughs> I did not think that's what you were going for, which is why I was like stuck. I was like, that's not <laughs> <sighs> what I did. I miss a word <laughs> like, uh, but that that see, that's much better. Have you ever written uh, and been able to produce any full songs at any point? No. So music is one of those things that is like work to me. I grew up playing violin, guitar, I sing, but oh yeah, I just do so much and that requires so much attention. Like if I don't do it every single day, I lose it and I just don't have the time to maintain anything instrumentally. But totally get that. I do write things down as things come to me. So I don't know. I guess we'll see if I ever get rich enough to retire early or something. Maybe I'll yeah. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, it's not out of range. Actually, to loop around back to the whole Tesla thing, and mm -hmm. I don't know, kind of how my career trajectory came about. I guess the bachelor of science degree, while it's not entirely relevant, Tesla like 
It aligns with my values, you know, mm -hmm. transitioning the world to sustainable energy. Just kind of, I don't know, it's ethical. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that I had enough of a science background with my science degree that, you know, it translated well to Tesla. I demonstrated that I could handle data correctly and they threw me in a lab. So pretty cool. They take good care of me. There's a stock benefit where you can have it withheld from your paycheck and they'll let you buy it that way with a 15% discount. Nice. So three years ago, I was buying it pretty cheap. So when I cashed out recently, that's how I got my Model X. <laughs> and yeah, that future of uh, songwriting is definitely attainable. Yeah, I'm trying to get a big enough chunk because you need $30,000 to be able to day trade the stock. Oh, okay. I don't know. There's a lot of rules about stock so that, you know, you don't shovel yourself into bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> Try to protect I mean, people a little bit. Right. Exactly. But if I can really get a handle on trading, I guess I can make the shift. But right now, stock's not going up enough for me to take out enough Tesla stock to do that. So still there. Yeah, just keep it. Hold on to it. You know, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, you're right. I'm just slowly dying inside, putting 40 hours into something that isn't all of my artistic endeavors. <laughs> what other things? That's right. Yeah, it's like as soon as you try to think of them when you're not just like... In the moment, using the word, yeah. Goofing around, yeah. Nope, it's not coming to me. Brain's empty. That's that improvising. As soon as you're thinking about it, your brain just goes completely blind <laughs> yeah and that's i can't get out of my own head that's another thing that makes me terrible at it people tell me all the time you need to just like let go and say what you say and i'm like if i do that it's just nothing if i don't plan it nothing comes <laughs> do you feel like um again this is like this might sound a little like naive but do you feel any kind of like immersiveness when you are kind of in a character role like maybe some more so than others absolutely method acting is definitely my go to which can be bad the more traumatic characters i play mm. oof they stick with me i'll have like dreams about it and shit i was like i definitely understand how the joker killed heath ledger because like i was getting nightmares about i have to play this character with a split personality uh winter and cherry and cherry's like a serial killer and there's a whole backstory about how she like became that but mm -hmm. i don't even think it's going to be very well conveyed in the film it's a short film so he has like a sequel in mind that kind of shows more of it but anyhow yeah very dark we honed in the laugh first which is actually in my reel i asked for that footage early i was like can i please use this i love it nice. yeah we honed in the laugh and then just running the scenes with the girls like she's in this lesbian triad thing oh wow and yeah and it's like a she really wants to fit in, and it's like a group that all murders together. It's kind of Heathers-esque, where okay. you like have to wear pink on Tuesdays, but the wear pink on or Wednesdays. <laughs> but instead of doing that, you have to kill people for them. Oh. And just the psychology of that, I don't know, it was sticking with me. I was having nightmares about like being a lesbian, and <laughs> it's really weird. I can believe it, though, yeah. I guess there's ways that are just as valid to method acting because I was confiding in like some better actors <laughs> about this and they were like, oh yeah, you don't want to ruin yourself like that. Like try this style or this style. And like I tried it and it just didn't feel as good. I'm like, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm giving like 90% instead of 100 for the performance. And I don't know. I just, I prefer method. 
I need to feel it. So if you can somehow take that ability, though, it's that's the whole point I was getting at, is that that is possible when you're improvising a character, but it's obviously difficult. Yeah, you never know what someone's going to throw back at you. Yeah, you're so you're starting from base zero, but like you were saying, too, with acting, it very much a sticking point in my training was a, it's a lot of it is about listening, and you mm -hmm. need to be just so in tune with whatever the person's throwing at you. So they could be setting you up for something great while you're thinking about, all right, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? They've already given you something. Right. How would this character respond? Yeah, they've it? already given you something to respond to, and the thing is that there's no wrong answer for you to make a choice. Like, you can just decide how to respond, and... That's now a basis for the character, and you build on that and build on that. But right. it's again, it's obviously a little bit different than doing it from a character in which you have source material to draw from, and you can dive into them and kind of you know figure them out. So the biggest thing I learned, and this is probably old news to you, but I took my first improv class 2019, and the biggest thing I learned was just the trick of yes and like yes, whatever yep. someone gives you. That's true. That's the classic. That's perfect. That's what you're building on. And then you give something back. Yeah. And the confusion usually for early performers is it's not, you don't have to accept and say yes, literally. You just have to accept the reality that they've built. So like by saying that that phone is ringing, the yes and is agreeing that there is a phone and it's ringing and you add on, oh, I'm running over to go grab it kind of thing like that. Mm -hmm. So it's. It's accepting the yes is yes, I accept the reality that you've just given me, and here's what I'm adding to it. And it is very, right. that makes a lot less pressure on you to realize that it isn't just you making it mm -hmm. up. Someone I found very difficult to partner with was someone who would just do the most wild shit. Like oh. one day I was scooping cat litter and he just starts like grabbing the cat litter and putting it oh. all over himself and rolling around on the floor. And he's like, I love cat litter. And I'm like, I wouldn't know what to do with this in real life. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, those are the types of people I also don't like to play with when I do improv because I like to earn my jokes like I won't start with a poop joke but if you earn one <laughs> if you really earn it then that is fair game I will not start with that though like I won't make the obvious jokes I won't go for the cheap laughs right but if you earn that please by all means if you wanted to make sure that you had everything listed that you want to promote feel free to right now pretty much the biggest thing I have is animatedhello.com. That's my website where I put all of my relevant information. And also just my Instagram, which I think is animated.hello. Everything's a flavor of animated hello. I never remember whether I put like dots or hyphens or... Yeah, it is animated.hello on Instagram. Perfect. That's where I promote like my art and my current projects that are out. My Twitch is also... Uh, you know, twitch.tv slash animated hello. I think I'm pretty easy to find. If they haven't caught on by this point, I'm going to be a little little concerned for the... <laughs> what I need to do, and again, it's one of those like cliche things that I didn't want to do, but now I feel like I need to because I had a uh, a review come out where someone was like, and the lead, Heather Dunham, known for, and it talked about a project that... I was credited for in 2020, but then, you know, 2020 happened and the project oh, did not. Oh, no, yeah. And so it still doesn't exist. And oh. this is like IMDb. And I've never managed that account because I'm like, 
it can't really explain what I am the way that my website is, and you have to pay so much to maintain it. Oh, really? I didn't know I'm that. I'm like, it's just not worth it to me, but it is where everyone goes to source your work, and I'm just like, it's getting to the point where I need to manage that. Do you operate under like a stage name at all? No, I just use my own name. I figure Dunham is memorable enough just because of Jeff Dunham. That's true. When people ask to spell it, I'm just like, uh, like the ventriloquist, Dunham. Yeah, and I say like the beef for my last name. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for listening to the Kevin Podcast. I had this idea of the mostly real housewives, and they've got prosthetic limbs. What does? The show is like the mostly real housewives of like, I don't know, Silicon Valley and... The housewives have like prosthetic limbs, which is why they're mostly real. Gotcha. So like you think it's because of like like facial reconstruction or a boob job or something, but it's like, oh no, they they just lost a leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Kevin Podcast. Goodbye. See you.